This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello again, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Just want to give you a heads up. A couple Mondays from right now will be podcast 800. Jeez, I remember when we were coming up on 400, like our mouths were hanging open, like 400 episodes. I, I remember when we double that. were one year in at episode 52, we were like, huh, this is a thing now. Maybe we should talk about the show a little bit. Yeah, so we're coming up on episode 800. Right. And just to remind you on all of the quarters... So the 100, the, 20, the 25, the 50, the 75, and the next 100, we do a live stream podcast that'll be on our Test Drive YouTube channel. That is coming up in a couple of Mondays from now. And also, those are always all-question podcasts. So that is coming up. I'm giving you that heads up because it's on its way. Have you seen our Subaru WRX versus Elantra N video mm-hmm. now playing on our original YouTube channel? It just so happens that the Blipshift t-shirt on our partner store is Yang Gang 2, featuring the Elantra N in white to match the one in the video. Pretty cool, yeah. Now, we drove both these cars with the acknowledgement that both are available in manual transmission. However, that was not mm-hmm. the point of this one. It was alternative transmissions, the other guys. Yes, but the other thing is twofold. First off, we've driven the Elantra N a few times in manual, and there were many people that, that were owners or people that driven it like, oh, I think it's better than the DCT. You guys should drive the DCT. So we got that solved. Also, this was the loaded WRX. They call it the, the GT. GT and it, and yeah. it is essentially as close as Subaru is getting now to offering an STI. It's STI priced, but it only comes in the CVT, which, of course, you know, here at Everyday Driver, we have said many <clears throat> disparaging things about CVTs. So yes. to actually drive one that claimed to be a performance one was also quite an interesting conversation. So that's why we put them all together. Yeah, that's over on our original channel. But on our Test Drive channel, we just recently released the 2023 BMW X3 M40i, which was yep. actually a local car mm-hmm. owned by a friend of the show. And he offered that up to us and we had not driven it yet. So same engine as the Supra in mm-hmm. that vehicle. And, and everything else in the BMW line. Yeah, the right. 40 in it. I mean, it's in tons and tons Fast. of things. M440, yeah. Z4. Yeah. The 340. 340. If it's got a 40 on it, guess what engine is? It's yeah, that it's one. fast. So that's on our test drive channel and continuing content. A lot of press cars coming at us, mm-hmm. so we will definitely continue to grow and feed that channel. Really appreciate your viewership on that. Yeah, just a reminder that our two YouTube channels are different as far as what they're offering now. We keep our big comparisons and our TV-looking stuff and our personal cars, like our road trips and things. That's on the original YouTube.com slash Everyday Driver channel. On the Test Drive channel, that is Test Drive Videos is how you find it. You can also find links from our actual website. That one is all of these individual press cars. And it's you and I sitting in the car together, very much the feel of this podcast. It's those come out on Sundays. And then we're doing POVs as well. If you like a little bit different style of your review, those are coming out generally on Wednesdays. And we are completely chock full of stuff either in the can or coming through July already. Chock full, baby. We are. It's crazy. I'm excited. Spring project season is here. It's time to take care of your old worn out brakes. Our friends at PowerStop are offering you, our listeners, a special discount. Whether it's your daily driver or that performance car that's been sitting in the garage all winter long, every car deserves low-dust, noise-free performance braking, and PowerStop is here to help. For all of April 2023, get 15% off all PowerStop brake upgrade kits and components on Auto Anything with promo code EVERYDAYDRIVER. Just head to AutoAnything.com and fill in your vehicle's information to be matched with a complete PowerStop brake kit and components that come with everything you need for an easy bolt-on installation. Whether you need to refresh the life of your brakes with a stock replacement kit 
or you want to transform your vehicle's stopping power with carbon fiber ceramic pads or drilled and slotted rotors, PowerStop has the solution for you. Head to AutoAnything.com and save 15% on all PowerStop brake products for all of April 2023 with the code EVERYDAYDRIVER. Our topic Tuesday comes to us from Tom G. on Long Island, New York, asking if additional dealer markup is ever going to go away. Mm. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, Tom. You've heard us and also acknowledged it in various videos recently when we've driven all the GR products and the Civic Type R and even mm -hmm. Golf R. Yep. But Tom had a thought that he'd like to share regarding our video comparing the GR86 versus the Cayman, that $34,000 question video. Mm -hmm. Yep. What if that video was backwards? What if the concept was backwards? Okay. Not the new bargain versus a depreciated sports car, but the opposite of that. Now, Tom was browsing Auto Tempest, as you do, came across a $59,000 Civic Type R and a $59,005911, both stick, both used. So what he's saying there is, if you have a quote-unquote cheaper car that is now really expensive because it is, like the Civic Type R, a unique car that their dealers are marking up massively, and it puts it into a much higher, scarier price point, like a 2005 Porsche 911. Where is that review is what he's asking. I have so many thoughts here already. This is a great question, Tom. He says, what if all automotive media started doing videos and comparisons based, based on as listed or posted prices? Since we, the enthusiast community, is asked to pay these prices, we might as well ignore MSRP. Do we think it would please the automakers? Mm. Tom thinks not. If all of a sudden a Type R that was meant to compete with a Golf R like we did was compared to a Cayman or an M2, the brand new M2, and lost, Tom thinks Honda would be mad. Mm. They shouldn't be mad, though, if their cars sell or at least listed for prices of cars with more power and features. So do we think this would make the automakers combat dealer markup? Mm. His Auto Tempest search had two filters, maximum price and manual transmission. There were suddenly more examples of cars with similar price tags that weren't competitors, but due to additional dealer markup, all of a sudden, they became competitors. This is fascinating, Tom, but I want to start one place, and that is how this relates to the fact that we don't typically actually review tuned cars. And it happens almost all the time with Volkswagen product. We will review a Volkswagen product and in the <laughs> in the comments, here come the guys with, but if you just did this tune with this stuff and this thing, then this car would have won. And our argument has always been, yeah, but you could spend that money and get a similar tune on the other cars in the comparison. And where does it end? The reason we typically only review stock cars from the factories, because that's the only baseline where the manufacturer said, this is how we want it to be. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can tune any car, but the problem is how far, what things, did you pick the right things? I don't know. So, so we do it. Our baseline is the cars, the way they were offered from the factory. The only possible exception is maybe tires, if we can put them all in the same tires. But unfortunately, that has to be applied here for comparisons related to MSRP because the same thing exists. If you take a Civic Type R, you can find people charging 5 over, 10 over, 20 over. Easy, yeah. There is no standard. If every Honda dealer said the MSRP may be this, but we are charging 20 over and all Honda dealers were charging exactly 20 over. Now, first off, that's extortion. But secondly, it would create a new standard. But there isn't that standard. You can walk into somebody with $20,000 markup, and you could maybe talk them down to 15 over. And that ADM might be similar to the guy that got one last week in his local area for 10 over. Now, it's all still over. But the only baseline offered is what the manufacturer says 
it's worth and should cost. Because the other thing happening is that money's not going to the manufacturer. No, it's not. That 20 no. grand over is not going to the manufacturer. And the other thing, and actually Matt Ferris talked about this on his podcast, and I find it chilling. But the other thing about ADM is this. If you have a car that sells for 20 over or a Ferrari that sells for 100 over or whatever, and that car gets bought back by the manufacturer under Lemon Law, the law states the manufacturer, not the dealer, the manufacturer must buy it back for the price that was paid by the customer. So now you have a scenario in which a dealer could sell a, a Civic Type R for 70 grand that Honda says sells for 50, and something catastrophic happens to that car, and Honda has to buy it back. Honda has to buy it back for 70 grand. The dealer kept their 20 over. Mm. And the manufacturer paid out more because that's what the law states. The manufacturer is utterly screwed in this scenario. Why they have not cut down on this is shocking to me. But I think what the manufacturers want is the Tesla model. They want you to go online Mm -hmm. and buy your car from them. The dealer is a middleman, and they are the ones causing this reality and, uh, and, frankly, problem. I mean, that would relegate dealers to used cars only. Or service. That's where they make their money anyway. Or service, part and service. But still, even though, yeah, they're not selling new cars anymore, a slightly used car with 200 miles on it isn't technically new, even though... True, 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 yeah. I mean, even with a few thousand miles, it still feels new, but that's not new. So they could do the markup on now vehicles that have miles on them. You could. And, And here's the thing. Most dealers outside of this adjusted markup madness that's going on right now, most dealers generally, the way they make their money is actually parts and service. Mm-hmm. It's not sales. The, the margin in Generally most not. cases still... is so small that they make some, but I mean, you have all the, I mean, GM's been famous for this forever. It's like holdbacks and we pay the dealer to not sell the car. We pay the dealer to have this one that nobody wants that spec. I mean, that's all kinds of craziness has gone on forever. The real like bread and butter we make money now is in service. And you could still have your local Honda dealer or Toyota dealer, or whoever. And what they predominantly are is a service dealer and not a new car dealer. That's still possible. For sure. There's a Let's explore this, Tom. A couple of things. We are seeing reports of more inventory in North America and the U.S., a lot of it related to trucks. Mm-hmm. A lot of vehicles are now available. So the, the dream of paying less than MSRP could happen again. I think it will, yeah. But as far as ADM on the special, the particular models, as a side question, Bradley J1983 asks us today on Instagram, what does a manufacturer like Porsche think of a dealer charging $280,000 ADM on a 911 Dakar? Doubling it, essentially. Does a manufacturer get data on that? Well, mm. only probably by empirical evidence, just by reading the news. Yeah. They have to be thinking there's money left on the table. Yeah, I'm sure. But while we're dreaming, Bradley says he'll take the extra 280,000, see if Singer will super safari a GT3 or just buy a McLaren and some other supercar that's not not marked up. Yes. Sure, certainly. I mean, what we're talking about is the generic drug equivalent of prescription drugs. Why Mm. isn't there that for cars? Okay, all right. The generic car equivalent of the Porsche is what? (laughs) (laughs) My mind is a little warped trying to think of the answer. P-O-R-S-H, Porsche. <laughs> Looks like Porsche, missing a letter. A it's key almost letter. like the generic drug equivalent is still expensive and still is the exact same thing mm. in a different package and doesn't have that shiny logo on there. Well, that's the, th- the singer reality. But this, but this is the problem. Back to, to Bradley, this is fascinating. $280,000 markup is essentially doubling the price of that car. 
of and the Dakar, be- yeah. And it's yeah. because it is a special edition, and so this is catnip for dealers to be able to mark up. And the crazy thing is, because it's special edition, the people that have crazy money, where buying a $500,000 car, because it's a little BB now, is like me buying a shirt. Yeah. Th- those yeah. folks are going to buy it just because they want it and no one else can have it. Many kind of times, That's I hate to say it. it, it's not about I want it because I'm a car person. It's just I have it and you don't. And I, I kind of hate that kind of buying. But but this is the other thing going on. I was reading recently that there there is a an uptick in people that have watched supercars defy the stock market in the last 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And now there are some investors that are investing in cars and not stock not because they're car people, but because they are just investors. It infuriates me since cars are meant to be driven, but that is something going on as well. Same thing happened to houses and watches. Sure, fair, fair. Same thing. Fair, fair. Yeah. I mean, I I do think that this is going to turn, and I think it's going to turn because of the current reality of inflation and much money's gotten more expensive. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. APRs have, have moved up. And I want to give you the extreme example, and that was the early 90s. The life of the McLaren F1 is supposed to make 300. They made 180 or so because the prices and the price of money turned. But the bigger, even better example, one of my favorites as far as in my brain, the childhood version of me, the Jaguar XJ220 was about a oh yeah it was about a half million dollar car it was it was like 250 300,000 was the list and then many people were getting them for more than that and that kind of thing and then the market turned the whole market turned and nobody had free money anymore and the last few were sold for half price of the original people that bought them mm. they were selling the last year they sold a few they sold for half and I do think oh, the market is think of that. Ton- isn't oh. that shocking? Oh. I do think now now they're worth a ton more. But <clears throat> yeah. But the other reason they're worth a ton more is because they didn't sell as many as they expected. I think this this is honestly this is a huge black mark on Honda and the Civic Type R. Honda should be doing something about this because the Civic Type R is the place where I feel like it's the most egregious. But I think the market is going to somewhat correct. And we mentioned this in that hot hatchback piece, actually. We talked about the fact that this keeps happening. It happened on the Focus RS. You have a manufacturer makes a throwdown car. Everybody in the market goes, huzzah, it's great, I really want it. And then the dealers know they have something. They mark it up so people then don't show up to buy it. And the manufacturer goes, oh, I guess people didn't really want it. We should stop making that car. Ultimately, I think there needs to be a, a tighter integration. I feel like there's not enough people at car companies that are aware of exactly what's going on with transactions. And Tom, it doesn't actually mean just the hot performance cars. We have seen many emails from people trying to buy Hyundais and Kias, specifically Tellurides. It's extended to Palisades, but then it's extended to a lot of just the buying experience at Hyundai dealerships, which hasn't been great. That has kept people away. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's almost to me less about the particular price, but about the dealer experience Mm. that I think car companies need to be more engaged on and Mm. more in control of because you're representing their brand. I mean, they're a separate company, but they're absolutely representing you, the the manufacturer. And that is perception is everything because I don't care if you're owned by a dealer group and you're, you're not actually Hyundai, but you are Hyundai because you're selling Hyundais and therefore you represent Hyundai. And so you leave a black, that's a black mark on the company and the company's going, wait, that's, that's a dealer group. That's a privately owned business. You remind me of the fallout over the first guy that had the potential RTV issue in his GR86 and his local Toyota dealer said, this is not warranty work. And once it got to Toyota corporate, they were like, 
Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But he got denied, and it looked bad for Toyota, not for the dealer group. I mean, the dealer group doesn't come out smelling like a rose, don't get me wrong. But but it reflected back on Toyota, who was like, if they would have brought it to corporate, we would have said, yeah. Yeah, just give make us aware. But every, this happens to everything. And I, I tried to let my mind wander a little bit mm-hmm. as far as examples where we don't like it, but we just deal with it anyway. Like okay. bottled water at concerts. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> For that matter, the concert tickets themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. the front row seats. Yes. Well, who gets when the when the concert sells out in 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. How did you get the front row? Who? I've never met anybody that's that says yes. I got the front row and yeah. I paid the asking price. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ticketmaster has been under fire for scalping yeah. for a lot of years. I, I believe there are lawsuits. Don't quote me on that. But I, a lot of people were upset at the exorbitant markup, just just made up fees. Yeah, for sure. For concert tickets and for the big game tickets, whatever that is. Well, it's the person that somehow figures out how to buy. 200 of them or even 50 of them or whatever and they are random person and I mean this happened recently uh, Garth Brooks came to, to Salt Lake a few years back but every ticket was 90 bucks from him from him but then it varied wildly when you actually bought them 250,500 oh that one's only 100 craziness because it was just somebody that bought up a bunch of tickets and turned around and that now that was just guy Mm-hmm. Now, Scalper, you know, guy. T- take take Taylor Swift, who's probably going to have the biggest concert series of the year. Take Garth Brooks. Take your favorite artist. Wouldn't you pay them hundreds of dollars to see them do a concert? You would. Yeah. But do you want to pay a hundred bucks to them and two or three hundred more to somebody who just happened to buy the ticket before you? You don't. But this is the dealer group reality in what we're talking about as well. You know, I've been thinking of realtors, you know, I, I be, there's many of you listening who are realtors, but, you know, realtors representing sellers think the house needs a price correction. So they advise the sellers to drop the price, which then happens because they have a vested interest in getting the house to sell. Sure. They have to move on if there's no money to be made. Mm-hmm. But the automotive equivalent of that is the car salesperson who also has a vested interest and knows that ones in high demand will just be bought by people with money. Because that's just what people are doing. People are perpetuating that. At this point, Tom, we have not experienced a press loan vehicle that is a base model. There are zero. <laughs> they, they don't do that. They just don't do not that. Even clo- not even yeah. middle grade. Yeah. If we have experienced that, it was because of the chip shortage in the past. Yeah. For example, the green M440i that we had did not have power seats. Okay, chip shortage. But it's still yeah. a $70,000 vehicle, and you're going, what? <laughs> was On not cheap. Earth? Yeah, was not cheap. Well, Why but would it was, I pay that? And it was the M440. It wasn't like this is just the 30 variant. It right. wasn't the 430. It was still the M440. It's just, oh, yeah, we can't get you seats. Yeah. Therefore, you touch on this, Todd. People are willing to pay of anything that's out there, from printer ink to prescription drugs to movie theater popcorn to yeah. mattresses and hotel minibar contents. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. Yes. Have you ever seen vegetarian pizza advertised on TV? Yeah. Veggie pizza? No, people want the meat lovers. <laughs> meat and chocolate Fair. cake and yes. soda. We want that. And cookies. You're Nobody right. advertises yeah. celery. <laughs> celery does not sell itself. You're right. No. At some point. Yes. Tom, it's not about pleasing the car companies. It's about them pleasing their customers because they know if they please their customers... People are going to want to buy their products. Mm -hmm. But then at that point, that's where the dealer groups step in and say, well, we know car company X built a car that's going to please our customers. Kia Telluride. And it does. It's excellent. 
So people are going to want to come get that. That's where the dealers step in. That's why I think there needs to be a closer relationship between manufacturers, OEMs, and dealer groups mm-hmm. to, to really start investigating this. But on the other hand, we kind of deal with it with all these other examples that I gave you. There's huge markup on mattresses. Huge. Bottled water. Having just done this, bottled water <laughs> inside the park at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, you right. just you, you, you hand over the credit card and you don't look at the prices. Just, just don't tell me. Don't tell me. Look at the sky. I, I just hand me the <laughs> bottle of water and I will be horrified later. I'm trying to have a good day. Yeah. We want them to make good products. Yes. But of everything that's out there, What you drive is a perception. Perception has overcome functionality. Almost. Sure. Yeah. Almost. In some cases, far more. But when you really get down to it, yeah, it's got to fit my needs. But man, of all the things that fit my needs, five-seat SUVs, which one is the most stylish and catches my eye and has the most stuff on it? Because that is what we humans get seen in. That's what we tell our neighbors that we own. And people see us and we take photos of it. And yeah, it's got to do all those things almost, almost supersedes functionality. It's absolutely a factor. And, I mean, and we're willing to pay that price. We have talked about it in various podcasts through the nearly 800. Over time, you have both sides of the equation. If you live in a place like LA, the car you drive is part of the perception that you give off. And I have known broke actors driving sports cars. And I Unreal. Have, and I lived in an apartment when my wife and I first got married. We lived in an apartment where the rent was surprisingly good, and there was a woman downstairs, I think she was a realtor, who lived in this apartment complex and drove a brand new loaded S-Class that had to be costing her more per month than the place that she put over her head, than her roof. And she was driving this brand new S-Class, but it was all perception, so it happens. But then there's other parts of the country where that is a detriment. We've had people write in here before, and they're like, okay, I have this job, and so I can't drive a car that is better than my boss. Very true. Or, you know what, I'm, yes. I'm a lawyer. I cannot drive a lava orange Fiesta ST, to which we said, why not? Why not? But <laughs> but, but, but these are these are realities. Is Cars, do they are, they are something we put on almost as if it's our outfit for work. And so it does matter. It's our outfit for anything. Yeah. And... People are willing to pay. So that's the reason these cars show up fully loaded because the manufacturers want to show everybody through the media what is possible with their products. Oh, with that package, I can get all this stuff. And if I go fully extreme, what else can I get? More power? More? I can get more and I can pay more? Sure. Yes. (laughs) But I can make payments. I don't have to pay for the full thing up front. Yeah. But now... The way things are with car loans, as of this recording, things are, people are looking the other direction. They're looking to buy cheaper. Mm -hmm. They don't want to pay the huge market, but there's always going to be able to, people who will be able to do that. And that's what dealers are taking advantage of. But every other aspect of life from houses to, we see the price of houses go up and down. We see the price of everything go up and down. Mm -hmm. Just you're willing to pay, but cars are in that special category by themselves, I think. Speaking of special categories, yes. Tom D. writes to us about which brand new car would we buy for under $20,000? This is so interesting. Brand new, under twenty grand. Now, a reminder real quick, because Tom mentions it in here, and that is, as inflation has happened, as the world has changed over the last few years, the average price of a new car has gone up. You probably noticed it's now over $40,000 for a brand new car. That is the average price. And one of the points that Tom makes is, has that partially gone up because he's he actually lists off tons of cars that used to be cheap and now their manufacturers have fully stopped making them 
Many manufacturers, he says he thought of the Chevy Cruze, the Sonic, and the Spark, none of which exist. Fiat 500, the Fiesta ST, ST, pardon me, the Ford Fiesta in general, the Focus, the Taurus, the Honda Fit, the Accent, the Veloster. A lot of these cars used to be the entry-level car for their manufacturer, and their manufacturer has ceased to make them at all. And pick your manufacturer. It's very hard to go on any manufacturer's website and find a car that is available at all for under $20,000. So of course, since the really cheap cars, I can remember when we started this show, there were cars being sold for 13, 14, granted that was 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But finding any car that is listed, like before you put anything in it, like floor mats, listed for under 20 grand is hard. So of course that changes that general average. That average is not just solved by the fact that there's all those cars out there that are worth quarter million dollars to a million dollars. It's also solved by the fact that there's not cars that are that cheap anymore. And this is Tom's point. There's also, I've just been realizing as we've been talking about press vehicles, there's not too many of them that come at us that are at that price point. There's Here's the thing. Like zero. You and I make a huge deal when we have a press car that costs under 30. That just doesn't happen very generally, much anymore. Generally, the floor, and again, we're everyday driver. We take anything the press fleets want to send us. We take them all. Okay? Yes. And and the generally, the floor is like 32 grand. It's very rare that we get but something the, under 30. It happens. But the Monroney will always have, but we put this sweet audio package of that course. you're going to want in, and now it's 36000 It's It's everything. Oh. I think I think that, that last, that Honda Civic, the, the Touring, I think that was under 30. That was 29. You're right. And, and you're we've right. had a few like bottom SUVs, like the recent HRV. Sorry, I'm just only thinking a Honda product, but the recent HRV was that. We've we've had a few that have been that, but mm-hmm. if it's under thirty grand and it's a press car, that is very rare. But Tom is going further and going. Let's talk about the cars that are actually available right now that you could buy and leave the dealer for <laughs> under twenty. But I'm sure there's a package or two that we could tack on. Of course you could. We could break twenty grand if we try hard enough. Tom, you yeah. you almost have to order it at this price to keep it down at that price yeah. because the ones on the lot will be like, yes, this started at $19,999 yeah. except it's got floor mats and the seat insert upgrade and oh, you wanted a steering wheel and by the way, <laughs> the paint color cost $500 extra. Yeah. So it's not that $20,000 car. As far as he can tell, the only ones that are available for $19,999 or less, the Hyundai Venue, the Kia Soul Forte and Rio, mm-hmm. Mitsubishi Mirage, Nissan Versa, and the base manual Subaru Impreza. He has not driven any of those in their current form, and he's wondering if we have some thoughts and insight from a dynamics perspective, because Tom's point is that he thinks the Impreza might be the best bet with the most power, manual transmission, and the only one with all-wheel drive at this price. But he also thinks those Kia products are compelling, while the Versa 2, since they started around 16 grand, leaving Mm -hmm. plenty of room to spec out maybe even fully loaded for 20 grand. So you got to start even cheaper to get the add-on package. Oh, you want the eight-inch screen. And I dug in a little oh. bit, and it is possible to get some of these loaded with every option, and you still left the dealer for under 20. It's possible. And in some cases, here's how ubiquitous this has become. In some cases, that means Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, and you still left the dealer for under 20. It's possible but he's asking about, okay, are these cars any good? And, and Tom, there's a lot of, he, he, you even went so far, wow, there was research, man, thank you. You went so far as to list out the primary stats of these cars. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones I want to point out here really quickly, because I, I had forgotten it was this low. The Mitsubishi Mirage hatch or sedan 
is available starting at just over $16,000. Did you build one out? I did. You did? I did. And How enlightening. I, and I, I, it was enlightening. But here, here is the big point I want to make. It weighs just over 2,000 pounds, which is impressive. But, of course, it's a tin can, <laughs> tiny little car. But it has, wait for it, please wait for it, because you're, you're going to need to sit down. It has 76 horsepower. It has 76 horsepower. 76 horsepower. Now, everything else on this list at least breaks 100. That has 76 horsepower. You can buy a brand new car in the U.S. and elsewhere that is $16,000 and has less than 100 horsepower. Now, that is astonishing to me. Tom, the big point I want to make here, and then I'm sure we'll, we'll pare this down further, but the big point I want to make here is these cars are dynamic irrelevant. Absolutely. Their dynamics do not matter. And I and yes. I don't I don't mean that as a slight, okay? I'm sure if we if we drove all these, no one would watch it by the way. If we drove all these compared to each other, I'm sure we would find out which ones are better dynamically, but we're here the, to find out. <laughs> these cars are sold for one person only, one kind of buyer only. And that is the person and and I get it if you're here, I totally get it. You have a very stringent budget. Mm-hmm. Your budget allows for blank car payment, whatever that is, per month, and this much gas per month, and that is it. There is no like $5 more. This is my budget, and I need to lock in my car payment and be done. And the reason that they sell is because they have warranties. Some of these base cars have 10-year, 100,000-mile warranties. Yes. And so you are a person who will not buy used because there's unknowns. I have to buy new because if anything happens to this vehicle that gets me to and from, I mean, there are plenty of people where you are, for lack of a better way to put it, you are forced to buy a car because you live in a metro like Los Angeles where there isn't public transit to get you to work on time or what. You have to have a car, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there cannot be anything out of that situation that is the tiniest bit off in budget. So I need a full warranty and a loaner car if it goes wrong. I have to be able to count on this with no extras. And so I buy a brand new, in many cases, terrible, 76 horsepower, <clears throat> sorry, brand new car because it has a warranty and I can count on it and my budget is solid. You know, as easy as it would be to make fun of all these cars because of their lack of dynamics, because of their lack of features, car companies need to continue building these cars because of that. Yes, true. What if all these companies did not build cars that were this price, that would that would fit a particular monthly payment? Mm-hmm. What if those didn't exist and the only ones that did were Kind of older used cars. Sure, yeah. It does kind of screw people. It does, for sure. In a, in a weird way. There was also the Nissan Center that I found in the Hyundai Accent, Tom, that were also starting price under $20,000. Mm. But over here in the world of Paul Math, <laughs> the ones that are just <laughs> over... <laughs> Sorry. I, I, we knew we'd be there. $20,000 may be the cap. We're going to figure out how to do twenty five real quick. Go. Well, I didn't go to twenty five. The okay. only one that I found was the Buick Encore GX that is an SUV because there's no trucks or SUVs for sale under $20,000 that I could find. The Zero. Maverick the, lists it. The but Maverick is $5 under. The Ford Maverick XL <laughs> Hybrid starts at $22,595. Okay. You know, a couple grand away from our $20,000 okay. hard stop. I did find a lot of others that are slightly over. And the reason I feel like they are eligible is because amortized over 60 months or longer a few dollars more 
<laughs> We're sorry. talking five or I'm ten. I'm sorry that I'm laughing. I, I get it, though. I do get it. Yeah. You're suddenly getting a dramatically better car. Sure. Like a Corolla. Mm, yeah. I'm talking not 21000 but still $20,400, mm-hmm. like the Chevy Trax. Those are $20,400 on okay. the website. All right, all right. But with any of these, the Nissan Kicks, the Hyundai Elantra, the Volkswagen Jetta, yeah. just over twenty grand, and the aforementioned Corolla, I feel like they're just that much better. You you get a few more things. For and sure. If, if you load up any of these under $20,000 cars, well, suddenly we've broken our budget. And I think you would have to beg and plead with a dealer to keep the price down because the dealer's mm-hmm. whole point in making money is to upsell you. And do they have any even on the lot that are base enough that are base enough and stick to that starting price? Mm. The starting price, unfortunately, is a myth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen any. I haven't been to that many. De- I have not been to a Mitsubishi dealer in a while. Let's put it that way. The Mirage has 76 horsepower. Can you I'm just I'm saying this is a public service announcement now. If you see a brand new Mitsubishi Mirage leaving the light, just give that person space. They're doing everything they can. They probably have their foot in pain through the floorboard trying to accelerate with traffic. It yeah. brings up another point and that is safety. Yes. Because all of these cars to keep the price down, not only do they have thinner wiring harnesses and less sound deadening, but as far as crash protection, mm. They're probably not as safe in terms of surviving an accident or the, the crumple zones are the same. The the manufacturing is the same. But as far as the extra add-on safety features, those aren't on these cars. There's certainly less. You're right. Yeah. So less power and that much power, you cannot get out of another car's way to get up a hill. You have to drive differently. For sure you do. Yeah. But most people don't realize that the buyer of that car will think they can drive the same as every other driver. Well, and I also think the rest of us driving something more powerful are like, come on, man, what's the problem? Well, the problem is I have 76 horsepower. <laughs> That's you my problem. You can't. This is the best I could possibly do. Yeah. So along with that less power, that lack of power and lack of safety features, there's almost this obligation of that buyer and owner of that car to drive differently, stay out of the passing lane. Theoretically, you just don't have the power to pass somebody up a hill in the left lane. I there, hate to say it. There was a thing on the Simpsons years ago where a super tall guy bought a tiny, tiny car and Nelson <laughs> made fun of him. He was like, this was the most car I could afford. I mean, that this is a reality of where we are because I, back to your question on dynamics, Tom, honestly, if you're a person who has the luxury and I am admitting it as we are these people and many of you listening are these people, if you have the luxury of being concerned about dynamics, you don't buy a $20,000 new car. You right. buy a $20,000 used car. That may be your budget, but you buy a $20,000 used car because you're chasing dynamics now. You're not chasing the budgetary concern. You're chasing actual experience and you've got $20,000 to spend. It's a different headspace already. I mean, I'd almost rather have a fairly well-used, higher mileage, something a little bit larger and a little bit more power for the same price than a 76 horsepower, pretty much stripped out nothing. You and I would, but you and I also are willing to take the extra wiggle room hit if something unexpected goes wrong with that $20,000 purchase. If you are buying off of budget only, if you, you cannot do that. You cannot, yeah, if you just you're in the Don't get the Mirage, because again, 76 horsepower, but there are these other options here, and you're buying one of those. I mean, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through real quick. The Nissan Versa has a blazing 122 horsepower. The Kia Soul has 147 
Pretty cool. All of these weigh under 3,000 pounds, which is a bonus. The, the Kia Rio, <laughs> which is helpful. Seriously. It does affect dynamics. The, the Kia Rio has 120 horsepower. The Forte has 147. The Venue has 121. I see Nissan, I mean, the Hyundai Venues around, and I never thought they were that low. But the Subaru Impreza, again, sedan only, two liter, just right at 3,000 pounds, 152 horsepower, blazing horsepower, manual transmission, all-wheel drive. That is, of these, a deal, but we're barely under 20. You put anything on that, you've mm-hmm. broken 20 grand. That's the issue. I'd probably go Sentra. Somewhere in there. I mean, it's that car has actually grown, and we've driven it before. That was the one that you proclaimed that something was burning uh, on our last drive. You got we, out we and drove it hard. Said, something about it wasn't mm, happy. Yeah, something was going wrong. But still, I would take that car because it's grown in size. It seems like a more uh, substantial vehicle, mm-hmm. and so for that price, you're keeping me under twenty. I'm not mentioning the Corolla because they're just over. Yeah. The and Chevy Trax, yeah. the Maverick. I would love to have a Maverick. That's two thousand five hundred dollars more. Mm-hmm. It's not eligible. I hate the, to say it. The Corolla it. starts at twenty one five, and I haven't done anything to it yet. Yeah, that's the problem. And it so, is actually a pretty viable, very, very worthwhile car. I mean, there are these cars in the mid-20s that I feel like, I hate to say it this way, the, by the time you get to mid-20s, you actually can buy a new car that feels like this is this is everything I need. I mean, yes, you could get better. Of course, you can yeah, always spend more. Yeah, but yeah. mid-20s, you can do it. Under 20 is hard. It really is. Sticking to Sentras. I'll go with Sentra for like, 19, but then, you know, with tax title license, we're just roll that into the payment, right? Blown it anyway. Yep. As always, guys, you have great, great questions. I just want to have a reminder to you. If you have a topic Tuesday or a car debate, that is TV at Gmail. Quick reminder, I have no idea where everydaydriver at Gmail goes. Somebody has been getting spam mail from us for probably a decade because somebody has everydaydriver at Gmail. That's not our email address. It is everydaydrivertv at Gmail. So please send us the Topic Tuesdays and the car debates there or your car conclusions or any kind of, hey, guys, did you see this? We welcome that there. On all of our social media accounts, we post for questions on Mondays and Thursdays for the podcast, and you can. that's where we just want your random questions. And Thomas has an interesting one. He said, What do we say to someone, him, starting to get burnt out of the car hobby because of the expense and switching cars constantly? We were just talking budget. He said he sold his Cayman a year ago because he loved it, but it was becoming too expensive to maintain. So he bought himself, sounds like used again, based on his other comments, he bought himself a used Lexus and a Miata, so a two-car combo, but he realizes when he looks at it, the maintenance bills really haven't gone down in frequency or magnitude with his two-car garage that he thought was going to be cheaper. Really? He's tired of buying and selling cars and doesn't know if he's found the right long-term garage. Thomas, this is hard. This is hard because, as we were just talking, budget's a thing. Yeah, and, and surprise yeah. expenses can sour you on a car faster than just about anything on the planet. You have a car you love and it tapped on your shoulder again this week. You start to lose love for that car really quick. I don't care how much you love it, how awesome it is when it's running. If it's just back, you know, water tapping on your head again, yeah. hi, feed me. Yeah. That is frustrating. Uh, Thomas, you may have to you may have to get into a car that is not ideal or that two car combo might have to become a one car for a little bit. There's nothing wrong, and I want to be clear about this, there's nothing wrong with ebbs and flows, retractions in your garage. Mm -hmm. If you are at a stage where you're just like, you know what, that was really expensive and it cost me a lot and I can't keep doing that, and you sell off and you get car X because you just need to have kind of a budget reset for a while. It doesn't make you any less of a car enthusiast. And I also think what you may need to do is, and I'm just thinking out loud here, you don't tell us about the story of the Lexus or the Miata other than I get the impression by other comments that they're both used. 
What if you sold both of those and got something that you that, that's good for the commute, that is saving you money off of both of those? It's probably newer than both of those. That is just your commute car. And then you take, for lack of a better way to put it, car vacations. Mm. Every now and then you just rent something fun on Turo or DriveShare or whatever. You just rent something fun for the day. Mm-hmm. And allow your your kind of budget life to reset itself, while you pick and choose. I've never driven one of those. I've never driven one of those. I've never driven one of those. So you can just experience a car. I hate to say it this way, in its best possible scenario, you rented it for the day to take it on this road, and then maybe a few years down the line, when you've kind of had your financial reset and you feel like you can breathe a little bit, then you go buy one of those cars that you've actually scouted by having these rental vacations. Yeah, Thomas, as Todd said, this is a, a tough one, but I want to I want you to give yourself permission to decouple the perception of fun from expense. And I think you already have just by virtue of the maintenance involved. But to decouple that means GR86. And that's what that car really taught me. Mm, interesting. We've preached about this for years, but that owning that car and sharing it between you and I, Todd, that taught me that to go up always and to always be thinking up i i have to go more mm, expensive mm. i have to the the next one has to cost more because well therefore it'll just be better it must be better yeah it really isn't <laughs> yeah all that was thrown out the window mm, so mm. if you go the other way into trying to find what is the most fun i can have for the least amount of dollars mm-hmm. fewest fewest amount of dollars that's kind of an interesting thing but ultimately I want to connect experiences to cars with you. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. always have to be about the car. We're going to track. We're going to drive in a canyon road. We're, it's about the car, and really, that's just it. I mean, that's kind of why the guys who own the offshore racing boats, they've got the poker runs. Mm. It's really not about the boat. It's about <laughs> getting that five-card hand, right? It's, okay, all right. And all they, right. they create these destinations. They create this thing out of thin air. It's like, sure, well, you're just burning gas and... You know, taking off across the water just to go get the next card. Interesting. All right. Okay. So what about your next vacation, wherever you go, whether Mm. it's domestic, international, and the car you rent is just something that you haven't experienced before. Sure, sure. But it's not just about the car. It's about where you took it to get that local food. Mm. And Mm. Okay. All right. This is going to grind on. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. You know, that's why writers come up with the destination to the distillery. Oh, yeah, yeah. In said car. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because mm. then you connect, oh, well, I, I went to that distillery and I tasted that whiskey and I, I did that thing. Oh, and it was in the C8 Corvette. Because. And then you put them together. Kentucky. Well, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly yeah, I've, I've right. seen that episode of TV more than once. Yes. Uh-huh. But this is what I want you to start aspiring to is make that connection. But it doesn't have to be the super expensive thing and it can be a rental. Yes. And that car might be the only time you ever drive that car in your life. But you had that experience. I agree. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be the world's greatest car. I mean, you go to certain places. This is one of the things that we talked about a lot in our four road trip films is we were thrilled. We talked about it when Brian was here from Brian's Questionable Decisions. Brian, we were talking about it was awesome to take these road trips in amazing cars. And that is fantastic and adds another layer. But it's not like Glacier National Park isn't exciting to drive through in a minivan. Right. It still would be. Right. It's not like Pacific Coast Highway would be bad in a rental Civic. No, it'd still be good. I'd still be really happy to be on Pacific Coast Highway versus sitting in traffic anywhere in a supercar. So there are experiences that cars can get you to. And even if the car is not perfect, the car still got you there and you'd be like, wow. 
Mr. McGillicuddy calls me out on Instagram. He was surprised to hear a lack of comments from me about the fake grills on the Audi RS3. Does the general styling and appreciation for the car help to overlook them or should they still be panned? Well, going back and looking at that car again, there's no hood scoops and there's nothing on that car that suggests this vent either feeds the engine or cools the brakes or does something to help the car's performance. You might be talking about the front fender and that would be the designers trying to make the car visually wider, but they kind of had to because of the reverse staggered fitment. Mm. That car has a wider track, two inches as a matter of fact, two inches wider in the front to make it do what it does. Mm -hmm. So now this is the form covering the function. They okay, had okay. to make those front fenders wider. But again, your task is to keep those front doors the same. <laughs> Let's not change the stampings on those sure, front yeah, doors. Yeah. We're not going to invest in new tooling. We can't make these RS3s a hundred grand. 70. Keep not 100. the price way down to 70. Way <laughs> sorry, in the lower. Sorry. I'm just enjoying that. In the low 60s. Uh -huh. Right. So what that means is let's put a bit of weather stripping between that front fender and the door. They, <laughs> weather stripping. <laughs> they, <laughs> the Kaidi buy at Home Depot comes on a roll. It's going to it be fun. Might, yeah, yeah, yeah. It might as well have. Uh -huh. It's whatever the Home Depot equivalent is in Germany. There you go. I like it. <laughs> uh, Oddward, yes. What good. kind of piece can fit in there? Yeah. It's not a good fitment. If you look closely at that, the fender flares out. And it's an exaggeration to cover that up, but clearly the doors are the same. You couldn't mm -hmm. change the doors to flare out and match that front fender. So what do you do in there? You just put something fake, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, mm -hmm. it gives it a front, very muscular look. Interesting. All right. It's not like the GR Supra that has those front intakes that suggest brake cooling. And then you tap on it with your finger. It's like, this is just solid plastic with an uh -huh. imprint on it. Now, if you're talking about that front grill, everything in the front is very functional and they are all open, but you walk around to the back, and to me, that's a continuation of the patterns that are introduced mm. on the front of the car. Nowhere on the back does there need to be air exhaust outlets. Sure, the car sure. doesn't operate like that, it doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. So this just continues the pattern and actually makes the front and, and back of the car cohesive. Sure. So in that sense, You're I welcome themes that. themes forward, okay. It's sort of like the pattern that we saw in the 10th generation Civic. Okay. But that was used on the base model. Yes, true. Yeah. Whereas this is used only on the RS3, those mm, patterns, mm. suggesting, again, cohesive design, repeating the theme. It introduces it and then it ends. So you see the car and then as it drives away, it ends that that theme, that, that pattern. And it doesn't need to be a, an intake or an exhaust outlet or some kind of flow through. Because if it did, it would actually make it kind of look flimsy. We, we don't need to see through the panels. It's not mm. chassis with flapping panels on it like a NASCAR <laughs> don't do that. or something Please like don't that. do that, yeah. It doesn't need to be. So it just needs to hint at that pattern and then leave us. But elsewhere on the car, there are no uh, extraneous vents or scoops or openings that would suggest it does something that it actually does not. Except for that front fenders and we just stuff some, you know. Weather stripping. We just fill it in. Foam in News, there Newspaper. It's going to be great. Yeah. Exactly. Mr. Miata on Instagram says uh, that we're not the only ones who received Sunday afternoon posting suggestions from YouTube. <laughs> Six of the eight automotive channels he followed actually posted content on this last Sunday. Now, here's the thing that's going on. What it says to me is, look, everybody's got the same analytics. And I, and I, I will say this. We've been on TV. We've been all kinds of places. And nobody 
can touch the audience analytics of YouTube. Love and hate YouTube as we do, nobody can touch those analytics. And they show you when your audience is available. And it is kind of a moving thing. And you can actually see what time on what days of the week is the audience here. And I guess what I'm learning what we're all learning based on all the channels you follow, Mr. Miata, is that uh, people that like to watch car content watch it a lot on Sunday afternoon. So if you are a creator and you're creating stuff, I mean, we've done Thursdays forever and we've debated, you know, our original channel, should we do Thursdays? But that's always been where we've had our stake in the ground. For our test drive channel, we've moved to Sundays because we realize that's where the audience is and you got to go where the audience is. On Instagram, Gary the Cycling Nerd says, Doug DeMura recently said Ferrari should make a manual car based mm. on the used values of their last stick cars. Now, that reminds me of a hysterical story from our friends at Griot's. Oh, yes. Richard Griot has a Ferrari 599, mm -hmm. which is right in the era in which Ferrari stopped making manuals. Right. And, I, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but I think, I think there are like... 12 or something. 24 or something it's like that. Low. A terribly small number of yeah. manual 599s. And Richard Griot has one. But I want to explain the story properly. He has one because when the car got announced, he ordered a 599. And his headspace very candidly was, you're going to order a Ferrari, you're going to order it manual. He, he never was like, oh, going to be a collector car. Mm -hmm. And then he was informed by Ferrari when the car was being built, he's like, well, we're going to stop making manuals. And he was like, well, I'm still getting mine, right? And I said, yeah. So he happens to accidentally have a collector car. Just because he checked the box. Because he was like, I'm going to buy a 599 and I'd like it. it to be in manual, please. Yes. And now it's worth much more than any other 599. He's like, I really don't know that I'm going to sell it because, because he's like, I really like it. But it happens to be worth a fortune because he checked <sighs> manual. Well, Gary says, if Ferrari did this, you know, making the new manuals based on the values of the old ones, whatever the values are, they could make big margins. Do they need to make fat margins? Does Ferrari need to <laughs> make fatter okay. mm, yeah. margins than they already do? Do we agree with this? Do we see it happening? Gary agrees, but he doesn't think Ferrari is willing to make a slower car. Mm -hmm. There is a point of pride there for them, yes. But he could see Lamborghini or McLaren doing special lower power manuals, which are sold as true driver's editions for ridiculous profit margin. I suppose they could if it's there, if the, if the analysts with the company determine that yes, they could, and it would come back, they would have to swallow a bit of pride. Ferrari would have to. Well, they'd have to spend money on the development of a new manual to be halfway decent too, which I don't know that they want to spend that money. Correct. But also it's not just the development cost. They will have to support that manual transmission with parts. True. So that means, Very okay, true. we don't want to develop our, our own which means we need to source it from somebody. Mm, good point. Do you think they're about to source that particular important piece of the car, which is the whole point of reintroducing that car True. and leave True. that in somebody else's hands? Yeah, it's a manual, but we sourced it from somewhere in Asia. <laughs> it's a Toyota manual. We really like it, though. And it would be probably excellent. It'd be very good. I mean, we've talked before about the fact that anytime I've driven a gated manual shifter in a Ferrari, I think that is the Ferrari magic. Something about those adds extra flavor to those cars they don't have otherwise. But I also think, Gary, that the key other thing going on here, I, I want to contrast, compare and contrast two car companies at the same time. Ferrari and Gordon Murray Automotive recently mm. releasing the T50 and the T33. Yes, yes. And his whole premise, his premise was to make the ultimate driver's car. So they are making manual only because his market share 
first off, they can do whatever they want because people are going to show up because it's Gordon Murray. Pretty much. And the cars are, I mean, forget, they make Ferraris look like you're buying a Versa, okay? So there's that that thing going on as yeah. well. Yeah. But he, he was just <laughs> advertising driver's cars. And, and you're buying it because that's what you want. You have money and you want to buy that. People buying Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and McLarens, YouTubers, I mean, sorry, <laughs> generally, they're, they're buying them because be they want the <laughs> yeah. brand. Yeah. And most of them, most of them are not buying them for driving purity. They're not. They're not buying them because they want the best possible driving experience. They're buying them because I got a Ferrari. Yeah. I got a McLaren. Have you seen my new Lambo? It's not about, and also they, the person buying, wants the bragging rights of how fast it is. But I submit to you that the bragging rights of those numbers, those owners will never, of course not, ever, of course test not. the limits of those numbers. They won't even come close. Maybe in a zero to 60, because that's what most people have the time and space and wherewithal to do. But as far as top speed, they're not going to do that. Of course not. They're just going to brag it has this much horsepower yep, yep. and this kind of top speed. And at some point, Gary, I'm submitting to you that physics is still a thing. <laughs> no. I know this is crazy. Weird. Even EVs will reach the point where I just don't want to take off faster mm. because my insides hurt. <laughs> <laughs> True. My yeah. eyeballs ache. I don't want to take off that quickly because it's just a party trick. So what are we going to build in the future? Car manufacturers, driver's cars. But to make the kind of money that you're suggesting, they're going to need to amortize those at a lower price and sell them. Hopefully sell them at a lower price to get all these drivers back to the brand. Like I keep saying, Porsche, bring back yeah. some kind of small 550 and charge $45,000. And bring drivers, it's stripped out. It's just a low power, just a yeah, tiny, yeah, yeah. lightweight, fun car. Ferrari's going to have to do the same thing because as they add electrification and hybridization to all of their cars, we'll get quicker and quicker and quicker. And then we're shaving not just tenths, we're shaving hundreds off zero to 60 times. And then yeah. the, EV, the motors and the torque and the more power, and then those will never, ever get tested and used by those buyers ever well and yes i i totally so where that. are we at at that point we've got to go backwards and build low cost lightweight low cost i say low cost is that ever going to happen with any of these yeah i mean be nice to, to make the lightweight involving thing but but we're tapping into something else going on here gary and that is in general in general not necessarily all of you listening but in general drivers would like the car that they buy next to be even easier to drive than the last car they bought. Mm -hmm. And that does not go away if you buy a supercar. You look at the difference between a modern supercar and an 80s supercar. The 80s supercar, you had to work for it. Yeah, you do. It's hot in here. My leg shouldn't be that far over. Why is this so hard to shift? Wow, this got uncomfortable. The air conditioner is not up to the task. Why can't Clutch I see out of these windows? But yeah. this looks cool, and I can't believe I'm getting this experience. That has died. Yeah. Okay. In the world where pickups are now luxury items to be in with no, no, and far quicker rundown, than those 80 supercars, no rundown pickups, you have to have an easy to drive supercar. And so there, you actually have a bunch of buyers who wouldn't buy it because it's manual. You have to be into driving purists, and we are to some degree a, a dying breed. There was a comment, I forget which video of ours, in the last week, I think it actually was the WRX Elantra because they were both automatics, mm -hmm. where somebody made a comment where they said, 
there are no buyers out there who want cars that are difficult to drive. Hmm. And I was like, I think you're wrong. I think there are hmm. some people that want cars to be involving. Yeah. But this person just put a stake in the ground. I was like, no, nobody out there wants to work harder for a fun driving experience. And I was like, I, I kind of beg to differ, but yeah. we're oddballs. Yeah. The general person, they're right. We could continue to explore that. Thank you for your question. Really appreciate that. And write to us, as Todd said, we love hearing from you guys and we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.